Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And today, we have a very <laughs> special topic and a very special guest. My sister Heather is here with us today. Hi, Heather. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. We are so happy you are here. The reason Heather is joining us is because... Our topic is something very near and dear to both Heather and my hearts, which is Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! So, Anne, do you want to introduce this topic since this was actually your idea? Uh, sure. I had the idea somehow in my head that we should do book pairings for Taylor Swift songs. It was a little bit of a surprise to me because I am at best a casual Taylor Swift fan and so but I thought this is Hallie's like ultimate topic and probably the thing that she will thrive at the most and as we talked about it more we realized this is her perhaps calling Uh, it is (laughs) if I could make money matching Taylor Swift songs to books I could retire tomorrow once we got started I couldn't stop I really couldn't. (laughs) And I could do a whole separate offshoot of Taylor Jenkins read books with Taylor Swift songs as a subset of this The Taylors. The Taylors together. So Hallie, I think it's so funny you should say that because first of all, I thought, Anne, I thought this was a brilliant idea for so many (laughs) reasons. And also, obviously, Taylor's quite popular. I mean, the whole Ticketmaster thing and she's in stadiums left and right. But I think as at least in my circle, the people who love her also are avid readers. And so there's a huge correlation there. And I think it's partly because she's an excellent storyteller, right? Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm actually doing one of the... Taylor's, Taylor Jenkins read books because obviously it was such an easy, I'm new at this and this was such an easy <laughs> a layup to pair <laughs> with her songs. But as I think about what people love, I think it's that engrossing storytelling, right? right. And relatable right. emotions on both right. the page and in her lyrics. So it made total sense to me when you said this. And I, I told Hallie, I said, I will die happy if I get to be a part of this episode. Because <laughs> I love this podcast and I clearly have a lot of affection for Taylor Swift. So I appreciate being a part of it because I think it's an excellent topic. <laughs> yeah, it really was a great topic, Anne. And I don't know that oh, I would have ever you. suggested it since I know you aren't a fan the way Heather and I are fans. So right. I don't know that I would have thought of it. But yes, this is so fun to talk about. It's just fun kind of in general to think about the connections that you make to the things that you like, I think, mm, and between right, right. you know the music you listen to, the TV you watch, the books you read. I think it's fun to think of things in that way and this yeah this just taylor speaks to my heart i and books speak to my heart so i i was able to to take this and kind of run with it in my brain so how how long have both of you been swifties Mm. i have for a long time so not from the beginning but i'd say probably her would it be her second album maybe red i don't i don't quite know if that was her or Fearless, Second, I think. Third. I think you started with Fearless. Fearless? Maybe. Okay, yeah. But then 1989 was kind of the album that I really loved the most. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And we went to see her in concert that year. And so it's been, a, it's been a while for me. And I'm so glad to see. I feel like when I first started liking her, she was very much perceived as being for 
preteens, tweens, mm. girls, and not mm-hmm. the broad appeal that I think that she is recognized as having now. I think a lot of people liked her at the time, but people kind of didn't admit that they liked her when they were in their 30s and or 40s or 50s or whatever it was. I'm really happy now to, I mean, not quite as happy because it's much harder to get concert tickets now than it was back then. <laughs> but I, it, it, it warms my heart a little bit that people recognize her for the talent that she is because she's a very talented, I think, very talented songwriter. When I started listening to her, it was not a particularly popular opinion as a 30-something-year-old woman to like Taylor Swift. Well, it's funny you should say that because I was just about to say the thing that's so interesting about her, um, and first of all, Hallie gets credit for my love of Taylor because like most good things, she introduced me to her. Uh, and we, we decided to get tickets, and so then I loaded up on her, and so oh my gosh, she's excellent. But what I realized, so I have two business partners that have 15-year-old daughters, and they adore Taylor Swift. So they always reach out to me to talk about her. I'm 50. So you think about the appeal between 15 right. and 50, probably and beyond. And to me, that's the appeal of someone. Right. And that's the strength of someone who's a good storyteller is their universal themes, right? And it connects on a level that it defies a lot of time and place. So I, mm-hmm. I think uh, that tell, that says a lot about her, that you have people of all ages and stages that are attracted to her, a lot like a good novel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, I, Heather, I don't know if you remember saying this when we first went to her concert, however many years ago, and you said, are we going to be the oldest, oldest people there? And I said, oh, no, <laughs> no, no, trust me, there will be people of all ages. And there really were. I mean, obviously, parents bringing their children that were 10 or 12 years old, but also just people like us that were adults that liked her and wanted to go. And I, I don't think that's a surprise now, because the whole buying tickets through Ticketmaster thing showed how, mi- how much demand there is for her tickets. But yeah, at the time, it was just sort of funny. It was like, what's this concert going to be like? Is it a- going to just be a bunch of screaming teenage girls? Which would be fine, too. But, uh, but it was not. It was a lot. It was a, very, it was a varied crowd at that concert. So, And how did you become a casual fan? I mean, I just was aware of her. And I sort of didn't get it because I, I listened to more, like, Oh, harder rock, I guess. Mm. Like to, I, I'm more of an indie rock person, but I like pop a lot too. But I don't love country pop at mm. all, and yes. so I just knew of her as being this. Like I thought she was a Disney person for mm-hmm. a while, and I I just didn't know very much about her because she came. She sort of became famous when I was in grad school, and also was going through like a, a bad engagement and stuff. So it just was a lot of other stuff going on in my life that sort of made it feel like I didn't. I didn't really get what mm-hmm. was going on with this. And so then she got crazy famous in just uh, as a crossover artist. And I still kind of didn't get it because I felt like I, I was reading all these think pieces about sort of the feminism of Taylor Swift. And I was like, I don't feel like this is really feminism and, and sort of was put off by that a little bit. And then, but I thought she had some, I thought she was clever. Like, like I thought blank space was really mm-hmm. a clever Mm-hmm. song but that was kind of it and then I uh, and then sort of everything fell apart for her <laughs> a little bit yeah and and I was kind of fascinated by that and then uh when Reputation came out I sort of got I don't know so much of it was about her relationship and I was I had seen her partner in in some movie or something and was kind of fascinated by him and just the fact that they were together was really interesting to me and so I started sort of reading 
articles about it and but i still was it was more just like an uh, almost a like a study to me <laughs> versus actually i didn't listen to any of the music and then i saw her perform on snl and she did a performance of uh ready for it mm-hmm. and i suddenly got it mm-hmm. where i was like oh my gosh she's super super engaging to watch yes. and and the way that even though she's i don't think she's like that amazing of a performer as far as dancing and i think she kind of does the same things a lot but Mm -hmm. it's really engaging still and so something about that made it even more fascinating to me so it's it's almost like i'm not like i've never listened to a full album or anything i just have listened to individual songs and have liked them and have liked some more than others but it's more the product of taylor swift that i find Mm. completely completely fascinating so um and the way that she's been able to come through some pretty bad publicity and take it into different areas of of creativity and stuff it's just the the whole thing is really interesting to me so so for some reason my youtube is almost entirely populated by like taylor swift suggestions Ah! and i don't quite understand how that happened but mainly i think because i'm just like wait so she was part of this too and i'll go down some little rabbit hole and stuff so um so i think it's it's become like a i don't i like a lot of songs there's some songs i really 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 like and but i'm more just like oh this as it comes to me it's interesting but i've I've come to respect her and in ways that i definitely was not thinking right um you know several years ago when Anne talked about the feminism of Taylor Swift, one of the things that's interesting is she obviously grew up in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there was was a lot of dialogue about what she was doing and who she was dating and um, she was how wearing. she looked, what she was <laughs> mm-hmm. wearing, what she was eating, you know, like mm-hmm. all of those things. And And she made the point that I don't think this would be true of a male artist. Right. And, right. and to right. constantly have the dialogue be about her dating life, which you know, most people growing up are dating and trying to figure it all out. Some of us still are. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That that she made that point early on. That you know, why why is this a subject of conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, there's her song "The Man," which goes into you know, if, if if she were a different gender, it wouldn't necessarily be the case. And so it's right. interesting. I almost find her like a reluctant feminist in a way that she kind of found herself in a situation where she had to observe that and point it out Mm -hmm. to people for them to see it because otherwise Mm -hmm. they would only ever ask about her dating and not her music and not her craft and not her performance and not her selling out stadiums and all these things that she had accomplished right and i think i think that in the especially in the 1989 period there was that there was like the squad right sort Mm -hmm. of thing and that that i didn't i didn't love as much as that's that's a little bit more of what i'm thinking about but i feel like she's she's been very open about learning from sort of those that that perception that she had at that time Mm -hmm. and and has has, i think she gives a lot of thought to those things so i Mm -hmm. agree with you heather that she has thought about why is this such a big deal and why is my dating life you know she writes a lot about that so in some ways it's fair for for there to be some speculation about it but but the fact that she's criticized for it in ways that other people wouldn't be criticized is um I i appreciate that she seems to give a lot of thought to these things instead of just saying this isn't this isn't something that is anyone else's business mm-hmm. or she she actually talks about these things so yeah she's just an interesting person mm-hmm. and Hallie knows as well but I have a, a little marketing and communications firm and so I obviously spent my career thinking about marketing and public relations and how people come across 
and she we always say she's the best there is like if mm-hmm. yes she's a talented interesting songwriter and performer and all those things but as a marketer she is incredible mm-hmm. and the way I mean, she just does things it's such such a study and how to have a great brand and mm-hmm. have it evolve over time and how to market it without being you know too salesy and you know right. have enough transparency where people engage with you but not so much that you know you can right. get yourself into hot water so it's a really from that perspective she's a really interesting person to study yeah she's very smart yeah. i think i think she's a very smart person I don't know if she's given enough credit for that or she surrounds herself with smart people maybe but yeah she, she's certainly a ta- very talented creative person and and mm-hmm. then she does seem to be making lots of very smart business and brand moves so this has become the taylor swift podcast i know <laughs> you thought you were listening to a book podcast you're also you're actually listening to a taylor swift fan podcast okay let's let's <laughs> dive into the books and why don't you go first okay so Uh, I'll give credit to Heather for suggesting this one because I told her the song I wanted to do and she said, what about this book? And I was all, okay, (laughs) done, done. Um, So I'm going to talk about An American Marriage by Tayari Jones and uh, pairing it with Exile, um, which features Bon Iver. And this, it's like this song was written for this book because (laughs) it is so perfectly paired. Uh, So it's about a couple named Celestial and Roy and they live in Atlanta and they met briefly in college and then reconnected years later and started dating and got married. And they have sort of different backgrounds. They're both descended from sharecroppers, but Celestial's father uh, came up with, with an invention that made the family wealthy. And Roy is from a more humble background, but they're both on the rise. And, um, but they're very aware of those differences. But at this point in the book, Roy, um, when it starts, Roy is, is a marketing business person and Celestial is an artist and their marriage is good, but they're both aware of differences between the two of them and the way that that impacts their relationship. And they bring insecurities to the marriage because of these differences and because of their pasts. And what's pretty clear from the beginning is that they have somewhat different ideas of what being married means to each of them. So they there's a line in the book about how the cloth of the marriage is like silk that's been repaired by with fine thread and that it's very beautiful but it's easily torn versus the the um marriages of their parents which are like burlap because they're almost indestructible and so if you think about what goes into um making those those differences then then that kind of gives you an idea of what's what's going on in these marriages so um so one night they're in roy's hometown visiting his family and they end up staying at a local hotel and they get into a fight and they spend about 15 minutes apart to cool off and later that night roy is accused of a crime he didn't commit and it all hinges on those 15 minutes when they weren't together and so he ends up going to jail for several years and then the book moves into letters between them and you sort of see the evolution of their relationship and Roy's longing to recapture the past and to correct the mistakes of, of the past, but also Celestial's dissatisfaction and how much she comes to rely on her childhood best friend, Andre. So uh, in exile, it's a duet between a man and a woman after a breakup who you see that they viewed this relationship completely differently that they've had. Um, Justin Vernon is the, is uh, Bon Iver. His, his stage name is Bon Iver. Um, and he indicate he's the male singer and he indicates 
that she his his uh, female partner, I guess Taylor Swift in the song, <laughs> um, has moved on to someone else, and he has a sense of betrayal because of that, and that she ended things without giving any warning. And Taylor Swift sings, "I gave you so many signs," and that's just so much what this book is. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about in the song about how they always walked a very thin line, and that the other is not their homeland anymore and they're questioning what they're trying to defend. And that's very much set up in this book of, of having this being married, being devoted to each other, but that it's always been a little tenuous Mm -hmm. between them. And and so that just felt so perfect. It's just kind of almost uncannily similar to, Mm -hmm. to this, this uh, song and this book. We know that Taylor Swift is a reader. She has posted Mm -hmm. about that a fair amount. And it really makes me want to know if she read this book. Well, and if she and, and, so, and I didn't do any research, so I don't know that information. But yeah. it's funny because I was just going to say it's not unlikely that it could stem from that because she wrote a song called "Death by a Thousand Cuts." It's based on a and I can't recall the name, but it was a rom com movie on Netflix about uh-huh. a breakup, basically. And she watched the movie and then wrote that song. So. It doesn't necessarily have to come directly from her life to write about right. these right, right, or right. whatever. So yeah, it could very possibly. That book is such a, this is such a good match, I think, because of all the reasons you said. It just yeah. really does evoke the same sense of this relationship where two very different perspectives on, on how and why it went the way it went. Right, right, right. And she she did like in the in folklore, she she talked really openly. I remember when it came out and it was such a surprise that it came out that this was not. And then people were trying to read into it of her life because that's been typically her style to, mm-hmm. to draw from her life. And then for her to actually have to come in, out and say, I, I've i learned that I can use my imagination right. in these right. in these things. And so, so, yeah, so it's 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 definitely very cool to me to see that she's exploring different different things but this book i'll go more into the into not you know not so much of of more detail of the book but gosh this is a good book it's so so compelling one of my favorite the the year it came out it's so good Yeah. yeah it's just so like i i was reading another book first that um i really enjoyed and really loved but it was i was finding that it was taking a little bit of time to get through it and then i got i picked up this one and stayed up way too late getting through to the, the sort of the big hinging event that happens in the book. And it's just, and there was still so much more to happen in the book. So it was, it was pretty uh, hard to put down. It was really great. So yeah, that is An American Marriage by Tayari Jones and Exile uh, featuring Bonnie Bear. It's, I have to say that book is so good at sharing multiple perspectives and you mm. think you're on one person's yes. side and then right yeah, and totally. then it kind of switches and I I love that it's called an American marriage because it it could be any of us it could be you know it, it's so yeah. so many themes about it feel that you can identify and relate with it one yeah, thing you and always I, find you're on one side and then suddenly you're like right, oh right now I'm on this side one thing I liked and I I've talked about this book before so I probably said the exact same thing at the time but there's never any doubt that he is innocent of the crime that he is convicted for. Like that is not, the book does not hinge on whether or not you believe his story really. It's more Mm -hmm. about how their relationship evolves throughout the book. So that's one thing I thought in other writers' hands that it would not have gone that way, but I thought it was an interesting portion of that book. 
Yeah, and it's so interesting, Anne, you said this, that that Taylor Swift, when it was clear she was writing about situations that didn't happen to her, and it wasn't just a way to work through her grief or her pain or whatever, but it was just, you know, creating worlds and stories and that kind of thing. I think mm-hmm. this episode is much better now because if we'd just done it when she was writing I, I think there was a period when she was first in the business that it was largely her own experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. But the ability to create characters and storylines yeah. yeah. and and she does it so efficiently, like in a line or two, you get so much mm-hmm. from her that I think I don't know, the read alike aspect of this is is much more interesting now because her body Mm -hmm. of work has gotten so much more interesting I think and bigger Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah agreed my book is the idea of you by Robin Lee and this book originally came out in 2018 and I think it did fine when it came out I don't think it was poorly received but it has really blown up in the last couple of years because of book talk and it got kind of a second life through word of mouth on social media It is about a woman named Solen who is in her 40s and she has a 12-year-old daughter who loves this very, very popular boy band. And Solen's ex-husband is supposed to take her daughter and a group of her friends to see this boy band in concert and then at the very last minute backs out. And so Solen has to step in and take the girls because she knows that her daughter will be devastated if she doesn't get to go uh, to see this band. There is a meet and greet where it's part of the VIP package that that they get to go to. And so they actually get to interact very briefly with the members of the boy band. There is an immediate spark between Solen and one of the guys in the band. His name is Hayes, and he's 20 years old. And at first, Solen thinks it's just sort of his personality. He's a flirt. He talks to all these girls all day long, you know, who love him. And so he has this very flirtatious personality. But then it's clear he invites them to this party after the concert. And it's clear that he's actually pretty interested in her. And Solène thinks to herself, this is this is kind of ridiculous. He is half my age and my 12-year-old daughter loves him. This is, you know, this isn't a real thing. But then... It really, it's clear. I mean, he's pursuing her in a romantic sense very seriously. Like, he wants to date her. The thing about this book that I think is really interesting is they kind of have to keep it a secret because he does have this reputation as being a part of this band that all these girls love him. You know, it's very typical where when there's a boy band, each has their own image and personality, so all these fans of theirs can kind of pick the one that's their member that they love. And, and so it can't be too obvious that, that he would be dating somebody. It's, it's an interesting celebrity romance, but also the dynamics of her being significantly older than him adds another whole layer there. And it's, they have to keep it a secret from the public, but she also wants to keep it a secret from her daughter. And it's a very, very, very steamy romance. So <laughs> I'm going to say that because if this premise sounds interesting to you, but you are sensitive to uh, explicit sex scenes, you're probably not going to want to read this. Um, but it's very spicy. Uh, and I think that's partially why people talk about it so much on uh, social media and book talk and bookstagram and all these places because it's, it's a very good spicy romance, but it is very spicy. So you should be aware of that. So there are actually two Taylor Swift songs that really fit for this. And so I'm going to mention them both. 
first the song Enchanted, which is all about how presumably Taylor Swift is at a meet and greet after or before a concert. And it's like the same old thing over and over. She's smiling and greeting all these people, but just for a second or two, and then it's on to the next person. And then across the room, she sees somebody and it's like everything stops when she sees that person. She sees this face and it's like, I was so enchanted to meet you. So that totally fits this book where when they first meet, there is just this instant attraction. And then the other song that I picked is called Dress. And that is because it's a very sexy song. It's about the whole reason as she's putting on this dress, the whole thing she's thinking is, I'm putting on this dress so you can take it off of me later. And that's very much, it's like also kind of a secret relationship there. Um, and so those are my two songs for The Idea of You by Robin Lee. Yowza. Yowza is right. And Helen, I'm realizing the dress could definitely fit the book I'm about to talk about. Ooh, well, so many, What's, so many well, connections. What's your book? <laughs> well, I mean, Hallie, you said it early on that Taylor Jenkins Reid, like you could do this podcast just right. about her books. And so I chose the layup of the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo mm -hmm. by her because there's so many facets of that. And I had a hard time picking the song that went with it, but I chose August, and I'll talk about why in a second. But this book's about a journalist who gets uh, selected to interview a very famous and iconic actress named Evelyn Hugo for the magazine she works for. And you get the feeling, this journalist, and her name is Monique, that she's kind of middling in her career. She hasn't quite gotten there yet. And so it's really bizarre that this iconic actress would ask for her specifically to interview her. And Evelyn Hugo is 79 years old. And as the title of the book implies, she's been married seven times. So it kind of brings Elizabeth Taylor vibes, mm -hmm, right? This beautiful right. woman that's been married a bunch of times. Everyone's like, what in the world? Why would you be <laughs> married so many times? Yeah. And she's, she's stunning. She's captivated people, audiences for decades. I think she came to her success in the 50s and 60s and, and acted all the way through the 70s. And, um, but she's never been one to grant interviews or talk about her life. And they believe that she's about to grant access to her because she's auctioning a bunch of her gowns, her famous gowns, for charity. And so what you learn pretty quickly into the book is that she actually wants the writer to cover her entire life story. And the whole time, Monique is thinking, why did she choose me to write this story? And of seven marriages, who's the greatest love of her life? And Evelyn says, you know, you'll find out. Stay with me. This is going to be on my terms. This is how we're going to do it. And throughout their time together, as Evelyn tells her life story, you get so much um, about how women were perceived at that time and what you had to do to make it and how much being in the public eye can really distort both others' perception of you, but your own self-perception. And I think Monique, as a person and as a professional, learns a lot all along the way. She doesn't really like her that much at first, and then I think she learns a lot from her, and she kind of dismissed her as a, a famous, arrogant actress, and I think she learns she's also really strong in her own right. So I loved the book. Hallie watched me read it, and I was crying yeah. <laughs> towards the end and fully engaged. And I, our other sister came over. I'm like, can't talk, finishing the book. I, I just, I was so engrossed in it, and I know you two have read it. I thought of a lot of songs that really felt like they paired the dress, the man, this love, Miss Americana. Like, there's so many songs that could really tie to this. But ultimately, I chose August because I think August does a really nice job of 
of conveying and expressing that feeling of being in love and that raw energy and the purity of it and how it can take you back and those memories that just feel like you're in another time and another place and it's pretty mesmerizing and intoxicating and there is one love she has that feels that way and so over the course of the book you you learn about that and you become you root for them so I don't know I just loved this book so much I want everyone to read it I'm sure most people have who are listening because it's been out for a while but I now I just want to read everything Taylor Jenkins Reid has has out there that would be a good life decision for you Heather I thank you what if you had to, if you two had to pair this with a, a song? What would you say? Uh, I don't know that I know songs well enough. Any? I think I had originally said Miss Americana, right? I don't remember. You did, I think. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I was literally for two days straight just thinking of Taylor Jenkins read books and Taylor Swift songs and blank. <laughs> uh, That's okay. That. I just was curious because I did. I wasn't sure if I nailed it. To be honest, like I think, you know, there's so many aspects of a book, and a song yeah. only has has a lot less real estate to do that so right but right. i isn't, yeah isn't there a song that she that she does that's about the owner of her house in connecticut that's yes. Miss Americana. is it okay yeah yes that's what i would have picked then yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it's funny my what i'm reading this week i was going to actually choose a taylor swift song for and that was also miss americana so that's has a nice little through line here to our episode yeah. all right and what's your next one um, next, I picked Finley Donovan is Killing It by El Cosimano, and I picked Bejeweled to pair with it, which may not be the most obvious pairing, but I will explain. Um, <laughs> so Finley Donovan is a single mom, and she has two little kids, and she's struggling to make ends meet as a novelist, and she is very overextended on her uh, book timeline and has been hounded by her agent to to get her pages turned in. And she has this horrible ex-husband who's just such a jerk. And she's she's really, she has all these these conflicts coming at her from multiple directions. And she's just barely holding things together. So she ends up going to lunch at Panera with her agent, who insists that they are they have to discuss the, the newest thriller that she's writing. And when she's there, it's been a while since I've read this, so I apologize if I, if I don't get details right, because I didn't have a copy with me. But um, my memory is that she gets this strange note in her bag, and she uh, ends up responding to it. And through that, she inadvertently agrees to dispose of an inconvenient husband for a huge payout. And based on, she, she figures out that based on describing her novel to her agent, someone overheard her and thought that she was a contract killer. And so they want to hire her. <laughs> I love this book so much. Such a fun book. And so because she's she's really well acquainted with crime through fiction, because this is what she writes, and she's written really ingenious plots, but she finds out through getting involved in this situation that real life crime is a lot messier. Mm-hmm. It involves a lot more digging than she <laughs> she knew. <laughs> And just lots and lots of goofy situations. And so she has this nanny named Vera who is very, very spunky and is just absolutely up for anything. And I think at the beginning of the book, her husband, her ex-husband has fired Vera for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, and Vera decides to just stay on. And that sort of shows the kind of person that she is. And she, uh, so the two of them become embroiled in a life of crime <laughs> where... <laughs> Finley is also (laughs) trying to be a good mom and she's also trying to deal with this this loser ex-husband and so 
I picked I picked Bejeweled because the song ultimately at its core is about ditching a guy who doesn't appreciate you and finding your best self. And mm-hmm. as I was going through my books, there were a lot of books that that dealt with that theme mm-hmm. that I could pick, but they all had a much more somber tone. Mm-hmm. And Bejeweled is just a bop. It is. And it's such a, it's good bop. Such a bop. And it's like I, I kind of I think that this might be the reason that I have we were discussing how how I have so much Taylor uh, Swift in my YouTube suggestions. And I think it's because when the song came out and there were so many like when Midnight's came out, there were so many premiere moments mm-hmm. that that were a big deal. And so I was seeing those. And so I clicked on it and I listened to it once and I was like, this is just such a fun song. And so and so I decided ultimately that the tone matched better on this one than something else. It's more of a, a romance that's about or or a relationship fiction book that's about finding yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like this just had that right tone of mm-hmm. of sparkly goofiness. Mm-hmm. And so they're both just kind of frothy and fun and goofy and and it's just a good fit. So um, so Taylor Swift in, in Bejeweled sings about being with someone who doesn't put her first and that familiarity bring, breeds contempt and that when she breaks out of that situation, she really learns how to shine. And I felt that as ridiculous as Finley Donovan's life becomes as she <laughs> tries to figure out this situation, she really does, by the end of the book, come into her own, her own as a person and sort of figure out what paths she wants to take. And so to me, that that made this... Um, a fit for me so mm-hmm. that is uh finley donovan is killing it by ella cosimano and that is paired with bejeweled oh i love that book so much and it's so good on audio if you have not listened oh if yeah you've not read it i highly recommend it on audio it's it's so fun it's great it's if you really, like really... if you like the uh stephanie plum books by janet novanovich but have sort of they feel like they've gotten maybe a little bit tired because they recycle yeah. the same things over and over. That's a good, uh, that's a good similar book that has a little more meat to it. Yeah. And something, I don't know why it, I just kept thinking these are both sparkling. Right. Like, right. That song is sparkling. Right. This book is sparkling. Yeah. And it's in, and in ways I don't know that I would say about Janet Ivanovich right. of, yeah. of her books. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's very, very fun. All right. Well, I am going to bring things way down because (laughs) I'm sorry. But uh, my next book is Someday Maybe by Anya Nyabinelli. I definitely did not say that right. I'm very sorry. And I'm actually going to share what song I'm pairing with it first because it is called Bigger Than the Whole Sky. It's from her most recent album, Midnight's. And the theme of the song is about grieving the loss of somebody you only knew for a brief time and how there's a lot to live without when you're in that situation. Someday Maybe is a story of Eve whose husband has just died by suicide. And this would be a horrific event for anyone, no matter what. But it's even harder because she didn't see it coming in any way, shape, or form. They had a wonderful, happy marriage. Their relationship was really strong. She thought he didn't seem particularly depressed or anything and so it really truly comes out of the blue for her basically what the novel does is it walks us through her grief from the first days where she's just shocked and stunned and disbelieving to weeks and months later as she's trying to figure out how to live her life without this person who was such a big part of it. I think it goes to a year later, so the, the book ends a year after his death. So this is obviously a very, very sad book, and I'm sure that there are readers who wouldn't go near it. 
But I think if you are open to the idea, it was a very beautiful book. I found it deeply, deeply moving. I thought that Eve was a character. I was very invested in what she was going through because what you see is she'll make little teeny tiny strides forward, but then backslide into her grief. And and it felt very realistic to me. I'm very fortunate to have not been in this similar situation, but there was just something about the book that even though it's sad, you just feeling like she can do this, you know, she can get through this or she can get to a place in her life where it doesn't always hurt quite so much. This was just the very first book I thought of when we, we were doing this topic because the song and the book made me feel kind of the same way, which is this ache, this sadness, but also this, this resonance for this is life. There is loss in life and you have to deal with it. Um, and Eve is surrounded by family and friends who are incredibly supportive of her, but also get frustrated as you might with somebody who is making choices and, and decisions that you feel like aren't in their best interest, but probably a very, again, realistic reaction to losing a spouse in this way. So I don't know. I just, I love this book. I feel like it didn't get talked about enough. I think it just came out back in November. Yeah, I just think that it deserves a little bit more attention than it got. So that is Someday Maybe by Anya Nwabinelli, and the song was Bigger Than the Whole Sky. That's a good one. I need to read that because I love oh, that song. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think you would like it. It's good. It's really good. Yeah, I, I agree that that one feels a little under the radar, too. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've heard very much about that one. Yeah. Since this is now the Taylor Taylor podcast, the book that Taylor <laughs> Jenkins Reid wrote would be Forever Interrupted, which is also about a woman who loses her husband, but after they've only been married a week. And mm-hmm. um, he... I loved that book. Yeah, it's so good. So that would be the other one. If, if you want to continue on the path of Taylor and Taylor. All right, Heather, what's your next one for us? Okay, so my next book is Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed, and she is the author that also wrote Wild. Uh, But this is a collection of advice columns, and Hallie actually gave me this book as a gift when I was going through a divorce. And it was to, you know, it's a particularly good book for, I think, if you're encountering life's challenges, which we Mm. all are. And the pairing is very on the nose. <laughs> it's Dear Reader, uh, which, of course, brought to mind, you know, giving someone advice in an advice column style. So I didn't know if I would like this book when I got it, to be honest, because I'm not typically one who reads advice columns. But this is kind of a, a special advice columnist. And Dear Sugar was the name of it. It was on years ago. It was on the Rumpus blog. And she was known, so it wasn't clear at first that Cheryl Strayed was Dear Sugar, uh, but that came out later. And one of the things that was really remarkable is the vulnerability with which she answered letters. And and often, you know, advice columns I find kind of black and white and having a bit an air of superiority. And this was the opposite. She practiced something she called radical empathy and this unbelievable compassion with all of the people that wrote in. And she would tell stories from her own life, not to hijack the the content or to take over or piggyback on what they were doing, but as a way to relate. And, and by telling her own stories of pain and vulnerability, you got a sense that she really was rooting for the 
the person who wrote in and and it was lovely because she has terms of endearment for the people she addresses like sweet pea and she really (laughs) feels that I don't know I felt reading it that she's really on their side and sometimes Mm -hmm. she gives these very honest blunt responses but because they're coming from a place of truly being compassionate and empathetic and and rooting for her uh her audience essentially it goes down a lot easier, more easily, mm-hmm. I would say. And so, and in Dear Reader, there's a line where she says, you know, never trust advice from someone who's falling apart. And that is how you, I felt about this book, is Cheryl Strayed's life was not perfect. She encountered a lot of difficult things. She made huge mistakes. So when you read her advice to people, it feels not from a place of I know better than you, mm-hmm. but I've been where you've been or in similar mm-hmm. places, and we're all in this together to help mm-hmm. each other through. So I just really, I loved the book. I, I was rereading pieces of it, and it resonated now more than ever in a way mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. how to treat people and how to be there for people and how to give people a soft landing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think Taylor Swift does so well. I've, I told mm-hmm. someone, um, hey, if you're going through a breakup without Taylor Swift, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. You don't have all the tools you need because that is one thing is to really feel like someone's in your corner and they've been there before and they, you know, you'll be okay. Uh, I don't know. So that's what this book did for me. And it felt very akin to Taylor's entire catalog Mm -hmm. of songs Mm of being relatable and empathetic. So that's Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. It's, again, I really liked it, Hallie, because Hallie recommended it. I I read it from cover to cover, but I didn't know if I'd embrace it the way I did. One of my favorite books of all time. I always recommend that to people who are struggling with a big life decision. I think one of the themes throughout that book is if you're asking the question, you already know the answer. You're just scared to face it, which is I think you're, interesting. I totally agree. Or sometimes she says, you might not be asking the right question. Right. And right. that's helpful too. And, you know, it, there's a lot of different ways to examine life and right. what we go through, whether it's therapy or whatever. But I just found this... I found all of the columns and responses very thoughtful, mm-hmm. not trite or flippant. Or, you yeah. know, her responses feel like she really carries them with her. She mm-hmm. carries these people's problems with her, and she makes them her own. And I, I don't know, I really liked that that yeah. human connection. At one point, I never listened to it, but I think that they were doing a Dear Sugar podcast where they would give advice. But I don't know whatever happened with that, if that was, if it's still ongoing or not. Interesting. And the other thing that was so remarkable, how I don't know if you remember this piece of it, but the people who write in are really good writers and yeah. very thoughtful. So it reads beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. From a craft and there's perspective. A, it was just the 10th anniversary. There's a 10th anniversary edition that just came out. I know. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Well, this was so much fun. I think that maybe. We'll, we'll need to do a round two of this at some point in the future. Uh, but we will be right back with what we are reading this week. Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? Uh, I actually just finished this book, but I'm, I'm going to talk about it anyway. It's called Bleeding Heart Yard by Ellie Griffiths and is the third book in the D.I. Harbinger Carr uh, mystery series. It's not really important to have read the others, I think. Um, I've read the first book in the series, uh, which is called The Stranger Diaries, but not the second. Oh, I read that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And, and, <laughs> I didn't realize <laughs> you were talking about the series I've read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a little bit of character through line, but the the 
plot itself isn't isn't something you need to have followed from the other the other books. So um, the mystery revolves around a, a group of uh, privileged Londoners who have gathered at their high school reunion. It's a 21 year reunion and they make that seem like that's standard. That's there. not a thing. Is it not a thing? <laughs> I mean, it's not a thing here. Is it a thing elsewhere? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But they they kept talking about our 21 our 21st, our 21 year. Hmm. And huh. I, I kept thinking, this is, this is not a thing I know about, but um, anyway, but so that means that they uh, finished high school. Uh, I didn't do the math to actually figure out if it works, but they finished high school in uh, 1998, which I enjoyed because that was the year that I lived in Denmark. And so it felt very familiar to me mm-hmm. of the, the pop culture things that they're mentioning and sort of the, the style of, going to school in Europe in that time was was a little bit personal like hug to me <laughs> so I enjoyed it partly for that reason but um their group at school was particularly close-knit and some within the group dated each other it's a, a mixed group of boys and girls they, and some were dating each other and others wanted to be dating others in the group but there was one boy named David who was a big catalyst for conflict um among pretty much everyone in the book and so one of the reasons for this is that he was becoming aggressively sexual to uh, the girls of the group. And as the book goes on, you sort of find out more and more of what happened in those situations. So um, the others in the group decide that they're going to try to scare him and teach him a lesson to, to make him stop this behavior. And it goes horribly wrong and he dies. The members of the group all have different memories of what happened in this situation. And so the group um, disintegrates basically after that. And and it, it happens on the last day of school too. So they sort of all go their separate ways. Um, so when they get together for the reunion, everyone has done really well for, for themselves in the group. And f- a few of them are very, very famous. And one of those famous people is a member of parliament named uh, Garfield Rice. And he's very controversial for being vocally far right. And he is discovered dead in the school bathroom and he's been injected with insulin. So the police are called and uh, one member of the group is uh, Cassie Fitzgerald, who is a member of Harbinger Carr's team. So Harbinger comes in to investigate and um, sort of has an in because of Cassie. And so she realizes that the past murder is tied to this one and that this is all very... Uh, circular. So there are many things in this book that I like because it's school drama and wealthy Londoners and the past coming back to haunt you. And I just am in board for, for all of those things all the time in books. And I liked to in this, by the time this book has come along, Harbinger Carr has really developed um, with, through the series. She, it, she starts out the series a little bit timid because she's a lesbian and a Sikh who is living in a small town in, uh, I think, Essex in the UK and basically doesn't have anyone around her to to relate to. Mm-hmm. And she is living at home in the first book in the series. And so by the time this book comes along, she's moved to London and she has become uh, a detective inspector and is just sort of becoming sure of herself. Mm-hmm. And and so I appreciate seeing that through line of, of character devel- development in the, in the uh, series, even though um you you definitely don't have to have read the first books to to get that so that is uh bleeding heart yard by ellie griffiths i have to get yeah, back that sounds to that like theory. it'd be yeah, yeah and it sounds like it'd be a good movie or a good netflix yeah. series. oh yeah. yeah it would be awesome um all right my uh book also that i just finished is 
Beautiful Little Fools by Jillian Cantor. So I think I talked about this maybe when I talked about Hester by Lori Lico Albanese back in my, I don't know, superlative or favorite books of 2022. I can't quite remember. I, <laughs> I remember you talking about it. Talking about when it. was it? <laughs> anyway, I love books that take a well-known story and then give kind of a new twist on them or tell the story from a different perspective than how we knew it. So this, in this case, the classic story we all know well is The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And in that book, the narrator, Nick Carraway, is an outsider who comes in for the summer and observes all this drama that happens with the ultra wealthy Gatsby and then Daisy, who was the love of his life, but now she's married to somebody else named Tom Buchanan. And there's just all this like rich people drama. But the, all the events are told through his eyes as the outsider. So in this book, Jillian Cantor tells the story of the, there are three women that are pulled from that original story into this book. It's Daisy, her friend Jordan, and then Catherine. And when I started reading this, I thought, I don't know who Catherine is because it's been a while since I've read The Great Gatsby. But Catherine is, gets a very, very small mention in the original book as the sister to Myrtle. So I'm not going to oh, say okay. too much about who, who Myrtle is hmm. because... I don't know if you can give spoilers for a 100-year-old book, but I, I don't want to give spoilers for a 100-year-old book. <laughs> the, these three female characters from Gatsby are the central characters in this book. And then there's a fourth character who is a police detective. And he, there is a, there are several events that happen at the end of The Great Gatsby that he is investigating. Um, in this book. And and what I liked about the story, well, I liked a lot about this story, but one of the things I liked is it does it's not set only in that same time period of that summer. It is it goes through about five years before that summer and then a year or two after that summer. So you kind of see what led up to the events and then what happens afterwards. Each of the women in this book are sort of stifled by society. And, and the expectations of a woman in society at the time. And so this book gets to explore who they were as people. They're not really this two-dimensional, rich, spoiled women that, that they were represented as in the original Gatsby. The, they have full interior lives and hopes and dreams and all these things that they can't maybe quite achieve because of what society forces on them. I thought it was really, really interesting. It was really good. Again, this, so like someday maybe that I just talked about, I feel like not enough people talked about this book. I think it came out a couple of years ago. I thought it did a really great job of, of putting a new perspective on The Great Gatsby. And I loved it. It's called Beautiful Little Fools by Jillian Cantor. I feel like there's a billion uh, Gatsby retellings yeah. or reinterpretations coming out right now. Because. And I want it to read all of them. And it yeah, just, it just came, came out of the public. copyright. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So, and so yeah. everyone's all, it's time. It's time. Let's <laughs> blow the lid off of Gatsby. <laughs> all right, Heather, what are you reading this week? Okay, I am reading another Taylor Jenkins read book. Because, <laughs> because that's what happened. Because that's what happens. And then you can't stop. 
Uh, it's exactly right. So, and I'm, of course, not as well-versed in all these things as Anne and Hallie are, but I really am liking her work. So I'm just, I'm going, I'm going deep in. And I just started Malibu Rising. Oh, and fine. So I'm a chapter in because I start to read and then I fall asleep because I'm old. And so that's what happened last night. Uh, and, but it's so far, it's already riveting. And one of the things I like about Taylor Jenkins' read is she not only grabs you from the first page, but then the story develops, the characters develop. So it doesn't feel like just a page turner. It feels a lot deeper than that. But I also know when I pick up one of her books, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grab me. Mm-hmm. And that this one already has. So it starts at the home of Nina Riva. And she is famous. I don't know if you can call her celebrity, but she's certainly famous. She's at this house in Malibu that overlooks the ocean. And she's contemplating how her husband just left. And you know early on that her siblings are also famous and in the public eye. And they're about to have this famous end of the year party, which the who's who all attend. And there's drama that's a part of attending that party among the siblings, but also the house ends up going up in flames. And so the the story of the party ends tragically, and you don't know why yet, but at least where I am, you don't know why. Uh, But you know that all the siblings are going to be together and that they have, they're close, but there are, there's some drama <laughs> among them. You know that her husband just left, so she's going through a terrible time. And, uh, and I will see what happens. One of the things I love about Taylor Jenkins Reid is how she creates this world of her characters that are connected to one another. Mm-hmm. So the father of these Riva children is Mick Riva. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, he's a musician. And right. he was in Evelyn Hugo, which yep. I just read. Mm-hmm. And also in page like three of Mar- Malibu Rising, there's a reference to Carrie Soto. Yep. And so, mm-hmm. and I just read that not too long ago. And so I felt like I already knew and was familiar and comfortable with the characters. Like I was already yeah. welcome in the, this book because I had just read that. And I love that she does that. Um, and again, it makes you feel like it's all connected. And uh, so that's Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid and more to come. Hallie and Anne, I'm sure, have read this book. But for me, <laughs> I'm probably one of the last Americans to have read it. And so no. now I'm catching up. <laughs> no, no, no. It's so good. So I said this on the last episode. If anyone is watching Daisy Jones and the Six, now it's over. It's <laughs> so good. So good. I want to talk about it with everybody. I, I want to talk about it too. And I'm and sorry. I noticed it's funny. I don't usually like. I'm not good with the details always of books and remembering them once I've read them. But I noticed. I thought the series did such a nice job with it. I really. I felt like it lived up to everything so the book did for me. Mm-hmm. However, the last episode. I had to go back and look at the book because it did feel like there were some yep. meaningful differences. So I'm very eager to talk about what those are and how, how it played out. bonus episode on Daisy Jones in this. Ooh. All right. Oh, this was so Ooh, much can fun. I, can I say one thing oh, yeah. too? Um, I was, I'm really glad, Heather, that you talked about uh, Malibu Rising because it was a book that I thought about pairing with Bejeweled because that is sort of the trajectory of Nina's oh. story through the, the book of her like not being in a great place uh-huh. and it's because of a lame dude <laughs> she has to realize this is she's better than this yeah. and this is she's going to come into her own but i decided ultimately that there's enough other story going on in that book that it was it was not as prominent of a of a theme as uh as i wanted to focus on i think in the in my discussion but also hallie you have to say your thing about about uh anti-hero anti-hero what thing? The thing about <laughs> the perfect book pairing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. I was like, what? 
And it's a good thing that you pay attention when she talks. I'm sorry. So yeah, no, you one just, of us does. You don't understand <laughs> how much time I spent thinking of books for Taylor Swift song. So it took me a second. Okay, yeah. So the very so when Anne suggested this, even before we pulled Heather into the fold to talk about it with us, the very first book I thought of was Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason for the the song Antihero, which I'm guessing a lot of people know that song, which is what Anne just referred to about it's me, I'm the problem, it's me. We have just talked too much about sorrow and bliss, yeah. so I couldn't as do that. As much as we love it, it, a, it would be great to bring back. Yeah, we but. couldn't talk about it again. But yes, that was that was quite, almost as perfect a pairing as Exile and an American Marriage. So Yeah, it is it is the song yeah. for that book. Yes, thank you for reminding okay, me. Now I need to read that. Oh, Heather, oh my you gosh. would like sorrow and bliss. Oh my gosh. So read it good. right now. Read it right now. Okay, <laughs> you two, I have a suggestion for you two. You two need to do a podcast where you help people prioritize their to-be-reds because <laughs> we are not all like you two who devour no, so books. With the, Somebody just yeah, messaged I don't have us any. on Instagram asking for a recommendation for one beach read to take on a cruise and I literally gave her nine books. I was like, I don't know which of these you may be read, so I'm going to give you all of them. Okay, why don't we go back and list off uh, all the books that we talked about in the uh, books and songs. Let's do that. And then Anne, will you put... Maybe links to the YouTube versions yes. of these songs so people, if they're curious, can listen. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, so I talked about An American Marriage by Tyree Jones, and I paired it with Exile featuring Bonnie Bear. Um, and I talked about Finley Donovan is Killing It by El Cosimano and paired it with Bejeweled. And then what I'm reading this week is Bleeding Heart Yard by Ellie Griffiths. And I talked about The Idea of You by Robin Lee, and I paired that with two songs, Enchanted and Dress. Someday Maybe by Anya Nwabinelli, and I paired that with Bigger Than the Whole Sky. And then what I was reading this week is Beautiful Little Fools by Jillian Cantor. Heather, do you want to share? I Yes, I talked about The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by the one and only Taylor Jenkins Reid. <laughs> and it's a read-alike for August, among other things. I also spoke about Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed, and it's the... Very obvious read-alike for Dear Reader. And this week, I'm reading Malibu Rising, also by Taylor Jenkins Reid. All right. So first of all, thank you, Heather, so much for joining us. It was so much fun to have you here and to share your thoughts about both Taylor Swift and the books that you talked about. Um, If you would like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at WellReadPodcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book and every song we talked about in this episode. Thank you all for listening and happy reading. Thank you so much. 